Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. And so the title uh, today is, and, and listen, I want when I uh, when Pastor June and I started talking about September, I wanted to preach on being an ambassador for Christ because it's really I would have to say my core message is being an ambassador for Christ. And, and so I, I was praying and um, and I was seeking the Lord. And I just couldn't get this out of my spirit. What I'm going to talk to you about today, and it's about taking courage and overcoming fear. And, and our text will be in the book of Joshua. And so um, I wanna just tell you about Joshua. Uh, so he was born in Egypt into slavery. He's best known probably for being one of the 12 spies that went in to explore the promised land. And he was Uh, The two spies that came back with the good report were Joshua and Caleb. His occupation was, first he was was born in Egypt, so he was an Egyptian slave. And then he became the assistant, the the aide, the right-hand man uh, to uh, the great man of God, Moses. So he was Moses' assistant. And then he became a military commander. And then he became the leader of Israel. Three things I found about him as I was researching is he's faithful. He was known to be faithful. He was known to be humble. And he was known to be wise. Joshua served his lifetime. And also the elders that served with him that lived beyond him. The people of Israel had prosperity during his lifetime of, uh, when he led. Joshua is a type of shadow. Uh, a type of shadow of Jesus, completing the message of redemption by bringing the people out of Egypt. And this is a mirror of what Jesus would do for all of mankind. So Joshua, one, one through nine. A lot of scripture for you guys today. I've been kind of immersing myself in scripture the last couple of months. And uh, so uh, like, I think it was May, I, I just felt like the Lord was just, hey, I want you to take two and a half months off of, or like two months off of preaching. And I want you to immerse yourself in the word. No internet, no TV for two months. And guess what church, it's crazy. You wouldn't believe this, I survived. I lived through it. I mean, I didn't know what was going on in the world. Somebody a week or two ago had to tell me, hey, uh, there's a hurricane approaching one of our properties. I'm like, and I go, oh, okay. They said, you didn't know? I said, no, I turned the news feed off on my phone and everything. I didn't know. They had to tell me. And so uh, this is what I did is um, the, month of, uh, the month of July, um, I, I just, a friend of mine had told me he had done shred, right? Which is like um, uh, reading the Bible in a month. And I was like, I don't think I could do it. And I just, you know, I'm going to try. And so uh, I was able to do it in 27 days. And then in the month of August, I read the book of Proverbs and the book of James 25 times. 
and um, you know, like I thought I was just needing to do a spiritual reset, and I thought, well, maybe it's also a break of traveling. Um, and so, uh, but during that time, just like so many things happened. You know, like I, I was like, oh, I think I'm going to get all these miracles and breakthroughs. And no, like one of my partner's dad died the first couple of weeks afterwards. And then, um, um, and I, I knew I needed to be there for him and his family, who I just love their family. And then uh, my senior vice president, who's like one of my best friends, like a brother to me. Um, and you guys, thank you for praying for him. He had been, um, uh, he had uh, uh, been diagnosed with cancer in his lungs. And all these x-rays were coming back with nodules all over his lungs. And so uh, the Lord showed me, okay, now you have to get up a little bit early every day and just pray directly for him. And then I got the uh, people of the church to pray with us. And everyone in the church was praying for him. And uh, he helped remodel some of the stuff here at the church. And I mean, he's helped me, uh, like we built like 10 churches and uh, together. And he's just been a, a great friend. And like, he's like a genius in construction. And I totally am not. And so uh, I remember the day like uh, he got his PET scan and I was, meeting with, I was meeting with his family and they were coming to talk to me. And when they came to talk to me, I would go like this, not one negative word. Do not speak one negative word over his life. And I was a little militant about it, right? And so I remember the day he got his PET scan. He gets his PET scan, he calls me into his office and he said, Mike, there is no cancer. But church, it wasn't just that there was no cancer. They couldn't find the nodules. Okay, there were, there were x-rays, three different x-rays with nodules on his, on his lungs, and they couldn't even find his nodules. <laughs> Miracles happen when we pray and believe. And so I'm, I'm going to be talking today about courage, which courage, uh, the definition is mental and moral strength to persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. And this is my definition. It's the ability to move forward and do what God's calling you to do when fear exists. And so in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, and I love this because, you know, like in these uh, these scripture, God tells him what he's going to do. Then he encourages him that he can do it. And then he tells him how he's going to do it. So verse one, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. That had to be a little discouraging. Now, therefore, arise, you go do it. Go over to the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Okay, so I want to just stop for a second. Okay, so, you know, his, his boss, his leader, it wasn't just like some average guy. It was Moses. Okay, Moses was the man. He had rescued and delivered the people of Israel out of bondage and slavery. He, God had spoke to him Faced, this is a guy that God spoke to face to face. He, uh, he wrote the Ten Commandments. The glory of God came so close to Moses that his face glowed with the presence of God. And now he's dead and God's telling Joshua, you take over, it's your turn. There had to be some anxiety. 
maybe some discouragement. I mean, like he just lost his leader. And there definitely had to be some fear. So this is uh, verse three. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and, uh, and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea towards uh, the going down of the sun shall be your territory. And here's the encouragement. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Church, if God is for us, then it doesn't matter who's against us. And now he's telling them how he's going to do it. This is how, Joshua, you're going to take the promised land. Joshua, and how does that speak to us? This is how we take the promises of God. This is how. He says, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. And this was such a big thing for him. He has to say it a second time. He says it a second time. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. And I just want to tell you, there's a lot of things in this world. There's a lot of things in our culture that try to pull us to the left and to the right. And I would just say, stay the course. Stay the course of where God's uh, sending you. And and here's the, the key. This book of the law, which is the word of God, shall not depart from your mouth. The word of God has to be church in our mouth. We are gonna talk about something. We might as well talk about something that has power and authority. But you shall, and here's the thing is, when you, um, when you immerse yourself in the word of God, and we have choices, right? I mean, that's one kind of hard thing about living today is there's so many choices, right? We could watch football, we could watch baseball, there's, you know, whatever on TV and all those kind of different things and movies or all fun things that we could do. And, and all of them are, I mean, some of them are okay, right? Like I, I kind of look at things like positive, um, uh, negative, and like, you know, like just in the middle that doesn't do anything, right? But the word of God is the most positive thing that we could put in our life. Meditate on it day and night. Then you may observe to do according all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And then he says, finishes it up with verse nine. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I, I found this scripture in the, last, uh, in the last month and I really liked it. And it's about the word of God. And I just thought I'd share it with you. Uh, it's 2 Timothy 3.16 and it's in the Passion Translation. Uh, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture. For it is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction. When you're reading the word, if you're not being corrected time to time, then you're not reading it correctly. It's giving you strength to take the right direction and lead you into the path of godliness. So Jan and I, we just had gotten married. And um, 
I was coming to the reality. Uh, we had two kids, and I was coming to the reality of, oh my goodness, um, I'm responsible for other humans. <laughs> I mean, I had been, most of you know my story. I was a drug dealer and a drug addict, and I was barely responsible for myself. And now I'm responsible for other humans. You know, um, we had just, um, you know, Janet had insisted for, you know, from the time we got married that we would be tithers, right? And she didn't give me any other option. And, uh, you know, it was like seven years I had been a tither before I found out some people didn't tithe, right? I was like, I didn't know you weren't allowed to. But I already had had a revelation by then of, of the goodness and the power of God, right? So we just got married and, you know, like I got a drywall repair, uh, like I'm doing drywall repair. I got a little business and, um, you know, we accidentally, Kate and I accidentally double tithed. And so, um, and we couldn't afford it, right? And so we, I remember talking about it going, uh, should we call up and ask for a refund? <laughs> She's like, Mike, you can't do that. I'm like, hey, honey, I don't know. We might not have food next week. Okay. <laughs> and work did not get busier. Work got slower. And I remember, like, I took this job, right, this uh, uh, drywall repair, and I was spraying acoustic ceilings, and it was just so, such a hard job. It had so much furniture in the house, and I was just moving the furniture, and, you know, like, it was just a really hard job that I had taken really cheap, but, you know, I had to feed the kids, right, you know? And so, you know, um, I, I get finished with it, and it was just such a hard job, and then I, I, I go to... Uh, give the people the invoice, and, um, and they're like, hey, uh, yeah, we don't have quite enough money to pay you. I'm like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> I said, excuse me, but I'm not leaving until you pay me. I, if you have an extra bedroom, I'm going to live here, because if I come home without a check, <laughs> my wife is going to kill me. <laughs> they're like, well, we have most of the money to pay you. And I'm like, I need all of it. And they're like, uh, well, sorry. And I'm like, hey, you got to have some money around your house somewhere, right? And they're all, we have a, a sparklets bottle full of change. I'm like, that'll work. <laughs> I went out to my truck and I had a super big gulp cup. And I brought it in and they put the last $150 that they owed me in nickels, dimes, and quarters. I remember driving home that night, me and my super big gulp cup. <laughs> Covered in drywall mud, just covered, right? And I walk inside, and, and Janet's like, oh, hey, you're going to have to start, like, changing clothes outside before you walk in, you know? And uh, I'm like, oh, honey, it's, it was like 7.30 or 8. I mean, like, I'm just dead tired. I didn't even clean up all the equipment, you know? And, uh, and it's just, it's so much harder to clean the next day. And, you know, uh, and I said, oh, they paid me a change, honey. <laughs> and she goes like this, it all spins the same, and so, um, you know, I took a shower and, you know, like, and then I looked in the mirror and it looked like I still needed to take a shower. I couldn't get it all off. Um, and I'm like, thank goodness, you know, I have a new job going to start tomorrow and it's way better. And I checked my answering machine and uh, the people canceled the job. It was a little discouraging. And I remember uh, Janet going like this, don't worry, honey, God will take care of us. Mike, you're going to get some better jobs. You're going to get some better jobs. 
I went, you know, the next day and I'm cleaning the equipment and I'm like, oh, I should have cleaned it the day before. It's so hard to clean. And I'm not getting, I don't get paid to clean equipment. It's part of my, you know, the equipment I use for my jobs and I'm cleaning it out and it's just really dirty and messy. And I get a call and uh, I get a call. And we used to have like telephones that like hooked up to a wall. (laughs) It's crazy. I know you kids don't believe it. And we had these things that were called answering machines. People would leave messages on them. And so I got a, uh, a message on my answering machine. I checked in and said, uh, hey, Mike, um, uh, someone referred you, and we have some jobs for you. And I was so excited because I played it like four or five times, and it wasn't really clear because it's an answering machine. Did he say job or did he say jobs? I called him on the phone and I made the time to meet with him and he said, hey, I, you know, we have several jobs. And you know, I went out and looked at the first job and it was like about a thousand bucks worth of drywall repair, but the house was empty. Okay, I didn't have to move the furniture. I was so excited. He goes, I want you to go look at the second job. And I went and looked at the second job and it was like $2,000 worth of drywall that had to be done. And I was like, man, Jesus, oh, this is good. He goes, can you go look at a third one? I'm like, come on, just get me a job. Like, I needed a job. And so I, he, I went out and looked at the third one, and it was way bigger. It was like $3,000 worth of drywall repair. And I'm like, just give me one of them, right? And, you know, I, um, he said, uh, um, I'll call you back uh, tomorrow. Let me, uh, let me take uh, your estimate. And he was really impressed with me because like I was able to do the estimates right on the job. And uh, I found out later that he had called three people out and they still hadn't given him estimates. Right. And he was like, how do you do the estimates so fast? I'm like, I just walk around and calculate how many hours and I know how much material it is. And I hand wrote it out. Right. And on these three, like they had three things, like it was the top and then um, like a carbon copy. And it was like, and I used to carry it around in my little notebook. And uh, he's all, hey, not very sophisticated, but impressive. <laughs> so many people have said that to me over the years. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Janet calls me God's experiment, right? <laughs> I had gotten this one time, okay, like I had gotten this huge project. It was like this huge breakthrough project, right? And I went, into, you know, I went into their office and the people are all, hey, we called all your references and everyone says that they can trust you. And um, everyone says that uh, you get things done and you don't make excuses. And they all said another thing too in there. He's not very sophisticated. <laughs> I'm like, they're all, but we could work with that. We'll help you. And, <laughs> and I said, well, tell me what to do. And they said, first of all, never come into the corporate office of a billion dollar company dressed in shorts and a t-shirt. I'm like, okay, sounds good, right? I went home that day and I, uh, I told Janet, Janet, I got the job. She goes, that is not how you dressed, is it? I said, uh, yeah, this is how I dress. She's like, oh my gosh, you are God's experiment. <laughs> and then I'm like, honey, I got the job. She's like, no, you need a style. I'm all comfortable is a style. She always tries to take me places like Banana Republic. I'm like, you would have to kill me and put it on my dead body. (laughs) So I sent over the estimates uh, to this, you know, and and I'm telling you, like, I'm just, I'm praying for one of the three jobs. And I'm like, 
God, let me just get the second one because I'm never, I know, I mean, my faith was so small, church. God, let me just get the second job because it's a little bigger and it'll, it'll, it'll give us, you know, uh, income for a couple weeks, you know, and um, I called the guy up and he's like, hey, uh, we'd like to give you all three jobs. Here's the problem. I've never done three jobs at one time. I did one job, I finished it, I started another job. I don't know why, it was just the way my uncles did it and I worked for them, I didn't know any better. So I was like, I'm sorry I can't do, you know, all three jobs at one time, I just can't do it, you know? And he's like, I think you can do it, why don't you lay it all out in a schedule and call me back? And I'm like, I, I went to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know how to do it. Church, it was the first time the Holy Spirit spoke this into my life, that he's spoken to my life so many times over the last 30 years. And here's what he said, I am all you need. I am all you need. Everything you need is found in your knowledge of him. I was so nervous. I was so anxious. And I wrote it down on a calendar, like my, you know, like super sophisticated, like a calendar that's been on a Xerox. And I just wrote it all down and I, I got it to him. And he's like, hey, that's great. You know, like I stocked two jobs one day, started one job, four days later, I started another one. And then a week later, I started the third. And, um, and I was able to, um, uh, over the years, over the next two years, that company gave me 50 jobs. And, you know, not... Not only, not only did they give me 50 jobs, but they started going like this. Hey, you do drywall repair. You know, why don't you do the painting? I'm like, okay. Then it's, why don't you do the stucco? So by the time that I was finished, I was doing drywall, stucco, and painting. And, and uh, the, um, the head project manager of that company uh, was the guy that, uh, uh, that I was talking about that we prayed for, for healing. Five years later, we came to work together. I would have never met him if I wouldn't have stepped out in faith and took in those jobs. So let me ask you a question, church. Is fear good or is fear bad? Bad? Good? Bad? Good. Hey, I actually, I'm sorry. I don't really know the answer. <laughs> I just wanted to figure out if you guys did. Here's what I know. It's not good or bad. It's not. It's an emotion. Here's the definition of fear. It's a distressing emotion around by impending danger evil, pain, etc., whether the threat is real or imagined. It's an emotion. It's not, because, hey, listen, fear exists, okay? My daughter asked me recently, she's all, don't you ever get afraid? And I'm all, yes, all the time. She's all, well, it would be nice if you showed it. So fear, uh, so fear can be good. Let, let me give you a couple examples. Uh, we, bought, um, uh, we bought a new uh, pan set from Costco, which I love Costco. <laughs> it's such an upgrade from uh, like where we used to shop, Walmart. Um, <laughs> Janet still tries to drag me into Walmart sometimes, man, I'll tell you. I, which I will go with her, I love that woman. 
I will not go in the 99 cent store though, okay? <laughs> She's like, no, you could buy these things for parties at it. I'm like, I, I'll sit outside. <laughs> so we bought these uh, new pans and I really liked them because you could put them on the stove and you could also put them in the oven. Uh, so I was actually cooking dinner for Janet and I, I make her uh, like, uh, I don't eat meat, you know, like uh, which people always freak out. They're like, I would never think that you don't eat meat, right? <laughs> So, but Janet is like a carnivore. So uh, every couple of weeks or so, I'll make her a steak. And I, um, I, I looked on the internet. I do it like Ruth Chris. She says it's better. I don't know uh, if she's just saying that, but because I've never tasted it. So, <laughs> so yeah, you, you cook it super hot. Like, I mean, like I get that thing hot and I just both sides of it. And then I stick in the oven at 350 and that's the way that um, they cook it. And so uh, I opened the oven one time and I, I forgot that it wasn't on the stovetop and I grabbed it. And um, I did scream and I probably did cuss, but no one was around. <laughs> so since then I've been, uh, I have a little fear of burning myself. That fear is okay. Okay, that fear is okay. I, you know, I sometimes can say things to Janet that get me in trouble. Any other men that that happens to? Thank you, my brother, for raising your hand. The rest of you are lying, okay? And so I have a fear of saying the wrong thing. So now what I try to do is think through what I'm going to say to her before I say it. That is a good thing. Because when words are many, sin is not, is not absent. Okay? Even a fool is sought wise if he keeps silent. Sometimes she'll say, answer me. And I'll go like this. I'm thinking about what to say. <laughs> so sometimes fear is good. Sometimes it's, it is an emotion. Sometimes it's okay. But here's when it's bad. It's bad when it's a spirit. In 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So um, one of the challenges is that we think that we do not have the authority to cast out that stronghold, that demon of fear. And let me give you some scripture. I wrote them, out, uh, wrote them down uh, this morning. Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. We have to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Mark 3, 27, but no one can enter a strong man's house and, let, and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then he indeed may plunder his house. house. Um, uh, Matthew 18, 18, it says, anything you bind, this means you forbid it, you declare it to be improper and unlawful and not able to be inside of you. Anything you bind. Come on, church, anything you bind. Anything you bind on, on earth shall be bound in heaven. And, and can, I go, can, I, can I go old school for a few seconds, guys? Is there, if, if, if anyone's struggling with a spirit of fear, can you stand? And, if, and listen, don't be afraid. Come on, don't be afraid. 
And if you're here and, you don't, and you're, you're afraid to stand, I can hardly see you guys, so don't, don't worry, I, don't, I won't recognize you. Don't get old. Um, so Lord, I just take a moment and I say, thank you, God. <sighs> thank you, God. God, I come against the very spirit of fear. And we, we thank you, God, that all authority on earth and, and has been given to you, God. And Jesus, you live inside us, so we have authority. And we take authority over the demonic spirit of fear right now in Jesus' name. We cast it out in Jesus' name. We thank you that the people uh, here that the Son has set free is free indeed. I thank you they're set free from uh, the, the spirit of fear. It has no lawful place inside of them, and we cast it out in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. When the spirit, when you feel anxious or you feel some fear, you have to, you have to take authority over it. Take authority over it. You have the authority over fear. Okay, so I'm going to give you some, uh, a few things uh, that'll help you overcome fear. And so I was playing, uh, my daughter, uh, one of my daughter's friends wanted to play me, play pickleball against me. And um, he's like, I'm just going to smoke your dad. And I'm like, bring it. Don't threaten me with a good time. And he's like 30. He's lean. He's ripped. He's super athletic. He's super agile. And you know, I'm, I'm built like Barney Rubble, right? <laughs> don't, ju- don't, don't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> so he comes over to my house. He's like, hey, let's make it interesting. I'm like, what, you want to play for pink slips? He's all, no, not that interesting. <laughs> he said, whoever loses has to jump in the pool with all their clothes on. I'm like, sure. I mean, like, just beating you is going to be fun enough for me, right? <laughs> and so, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, we started playing, and um, I had an advantage. My advantage is it was my home court. Okay? <laughs> you have an advantage. You have Jesus living on the inside of you. That is the greatest advantage that you could possibly have. Um, so I know where the ball bounces. I could hit almost every, I could dot almost every line. I'm almost like, I feel like an artist on my own court, you know? And so, but he's so much more athletic and he can move so much quicker and he's so agile. And so um, the first game we're playing and it was like eight to five, he was winning, right? And I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I, I gotta get my act together. And I sat there and I thought, okay, I'm going to play the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are very simple, right? You hit the ball over the net. And then you make, what you try to do is you try to make it a more difficult shot for your opponent because then they might pop it up in the air and then you could slam it down. So I started just focusing on the fundamentals and just getting it back over, not trying to hit perfect shots, just getting it back over. And, um, and so uh, I came back and won the, uh, the first game uh, 11 to eight. And then I beat him six more games in a row. <laughs> because I focused on the fundamentals. These are the fundamental things to do to overcome fear, to overcome discouragement, to overcome anxiety. These are the fundamentals I'm talking about. First, be around others that encourage you and you can encourage. Yeah. 
That's why groups are so important, church. If you've never been in a group, if you've never been in a group, let me take the anxiety out of it for you. You will like it and you will like the people and they will love you. Those of you that have been in groups, it is your, I'm going to declare that over your life. This is the season for you to lead a group. Okay, so we're running, Jan and I are running multiple businesses in multiple states, right? And uh, this, uh, the start of this year, she said, Mike, we need to lead at least two groups this year. I'm like, honey, do you know how busy we are? And she's like, Mike, if we are going to be an advocate for it, we have to do it. And so we let, we've led two groups this year. We have an ongoing group. And, and I will just tell you, you never grow, you will grow so much as a, uh, as a leader, as in, it will help your family. Whoever refreshes people, whoever refreshes others, what happens is they themselves become refreshed. I have never grown more, ever grown more than when I led a group. That's where you, it's like an incubator for growth for yourself. Okay, so, um, and, and it's like, you know, like what we want to do is we don't have a choice, church, of everything we, uh, every person we can hang around with, right? We just don't have a choice. I have clients, you know, friends. But when you, when you join a group, you're getting to do life with someone that's going to be encouraging you. And so, um, uh, yeah, we don't, one of the challenges, we don't get a choice. You know, like we have family, you know, that could be discouraging to us. You know, like I had a client uh, that was so discouraging every time I'd be around him, right? And, and I, I'd have to pray a little bit more before I went and met him because he would say stuff like this. This job will never be finished. You are going to fail. And I'd be, when he would be talking, I'd be like this. Um, in, under my breath, I'd be like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> okay, true story. One time it came out loud. <laughs> He's like, you're going to fail. This job's never going to be done. And I'm all, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> a bunch of executives all around this table, right? And a bunch of my team members. We go outside and, and my team goes like this to me. Mike, you can't do that stuff. I'm like, didn't you notice he stopped talking after I did it? <laughs> he couldn't talk after I said that. <laughs> and the job did get, get, get done and we were successful. <laughs> Church, we gotta also learn to encourage ourselves. Uh, 1 Samuel 30, verse six. And David was greatly distressed his whole family and the family of his, uh, of his men were, were captured and being held hostage and captive. For the people spoke of stoning him because all of their family was taken. Because the soul of the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. We have to learn to encourage ourselves. Encourage ourselves. You know, uh, recently I, I had this like really extreme uh, legal battle and it was over like a six or seven year period and I would not wish it on anybody. It was just horrible, right? And, and my daughter, she, she said to me one morning, she's like, 
hey, can I ask you a question? And I'm like, sure. She's all, how do you not crack? I said, do you notice when you get up in the morning that I've already been up for two or three hours? Do you see that I have worship music going? Do you see how much time your dad spends in prayer? And so uh, my daughter calls me the man of prayer. (laughs) Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, don't be anxious about anything, but with with prayer and petition and thanksgiving to God, present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends understanding would guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We have to learn to pray for ourselves. I'm so grateful my first pastor insisted that I learn how to pray for myself. And, And so, like, I would say that I've gotten better at it over the years, but I practiced. And when I was a young Christian, I would say, I don't know how, what do you, what do I do? He said, pray like, Pray like you're pray, uh, praying to your dad or your, your father. I'm like, I, I don't have a dad or father. He's all, pray like, then like you're praying to your best, uh, talking to your best friend. I'm like, I got one of those. <laughs> and it, like simple prayers. I started out by praying these simple prayers. God, help me. God, I need you. God, I need your help. God, show me what to do. God, make it so crystal clear that there'd be no way that I make a mistake. And then over the years, he gave me like that card and I saw Pastor Jude had it and he taught me how to pray uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And, and I just prayed over that and learned how to do that. And then I found like my niche was the prayer of intercession. And I love it. I, there's thousands of business people that I'm praying for on a daily and a weekly basis. I mean, I probably have 50 or 60 people across the United States that just send me their prayer requests. And I pray over them in the morning. I found, and you know what it does? Is because I'm refreshing them, myself, I'm refreshed. It's not hard, church. We have to learn how to pray for ourselves. Uh, um, uh, finally, um, uh, guard what you hear. You got to really protect what you hear. Uh, Romans 10, 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing... Oh, how cool. It's up there. I don't even have to look down here. It's pretty cool, Michael. We're like technology, man. (laughs) So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then fear comes by hearing and hearing anything that is contrary to the word of God. I think it was like right after the pandemic, everybody's like glued to the TV, like trying to like figure out what was going on. And I felt myself starting to get anxious. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. It's, it's giving me anxiety by listening to the news. And I stopped watching the news three and a half years ago. I haven't watched the news in three and a half years. I turned the news feed off on my phone. I don't care. I, I re, you know, like I, I do stuff that's positive, you know, I, uh, with uh, scriptures or uh, uh, reading other books, but I'm not gonna do that. Like I study the stuff that I need to study for my work that, uh, that sometimes is news related, that's like economics and the economy and interest rates and stuff like that, but I don't watch the news. You gotta be careful for what you hear because what you hear on a regular basis, you will believe. But you know what the voice you believe the most of anybody else's voice? 
The voice you believe the most of anybody else's voice is the voice of yourself. Be very careful what you say about yourself. I remember this one, uh, this one roofer going like this. You know, that's a beautiful job. I'll never get it. He didn't get the job. And I was like, I wonder why he never gets jobs. Because out of his mouth, he keeps saying the same thing. I'll never get that job. I'll never get that job. Then what happens is he begins to believe it. Uh, there, was a, um, there was a pastor um, years ago that uh, started uh, uh, giving me these scriptures and putting my name in it, right? And so he, I kind of liked it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> started doing it over myself. And as uh, Mike Rovner can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Mike is more than a conqueror through him who loves him. Mike always gives thanks to God who always gives Mike victory through Jesus Christ. God has a good plan for Mike, not to harm him, but to give him a hope and a future. I brought them one time. These are my, some of my memory verses. And like, you just put your name in it. And I'll bring some more in the next week or two or at the marketplace if you want them. And just it, literally 45 seconds it takes me to say all, uh, to quote all those scriptures or say, I'll read all those scriptures and put my name in it. What if 45 seconds a day for the next 30 days would change your life? Also, we have to protect what we see because the eyes are the gateway to the heart. So we have to really protect. That's why TV is so dangerous. It's so dangerous. And we have to protect because uh, the, in Proverbs it says, above all, that means most importantly, guard your heart for out of it flows every issue of your life. The, the, eye, the eyes and the ears are the gateway to the heart. And so we just, in this season, church, if we're going to do, and we are going to do all of what God's called us to do, we have to guard ourselves. We have to protect ourselves. We have to, listen, we have to make sure that the world does not corrupt us. Okay, uh, Matthew 14, 25 through 31. And so let me tell you what's going on here is uh, uh, Jesus has ju just fed the 5,000. And um, uh, he tells the disciples to go over to the other side of the lake. And um, you know what I, I, I love about uh, uh, reading um, the Gospels is uh, the red, where it's what Jesus said in red. It's so good. If you just study anything, just study the red. And so... Um, and, I love, and it's also when you see what Jesus does, let that be an example for how you live your life. So he sent the disciples over to the other side and he pulled away and prayed. There's gonna be some times, church, to overcome fear and to take courage where you're gonna have to pull away and pray. There might be some things in your life you have to say no to. It's okay. It's not what's good. I want what's God. And so uh, he tells the disciples to go after, over to the other side. And I'll pick up with verse 25. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. Church, courage is not given. It's taken. You got to receive it. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come down on the water. Come, he said. 
Then Peter got down on the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. See, one of the keys here, and I want you to get this, church, get this. Peter recognized the voice of Jesus. We have to get to a place in our life, if we want, if we're, for us to take courage, is we have to recognize the voice of Jesus. In John 15, 15, it says, my sheep hear my voice and know it's me. There's a lot of voices out there today, church. We have to be able to hear the, uh, the voice of the good shepherd. And Peter recognized the voice of, of Jesus. I mean, Peter gets a, a lot of bad raps, okay? Like he denied Jesus three times. Jesus had to rebuke him and call him Satan, get behind me. But Peter walked on the water. Peter got out of the boat. The, comfort, the, the boat represents Peter, who is a commercial fisherman. It represents his comfort zone. It rec- it, uh, it's a good reference to the place of protection. But he recognized the voice of Jesus. He got out of the boat. He took courage and he walked towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. One of the most spiritual prayers that you could pray. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you have so much doubt? And Jesus is so good when you step out in faith and you take courage, even if you begin to sink, if you call out to him, he's so good, he'll reach his hand and pull you up. That's how good God is. That's how good Jesus is. Uh, so Jan and I were in a season of our life and our, our careers had began to grow. And I, I was looking back and reflecting um, over the last couple of weeks on, on, on how our lives grew, right? You know, like, because I mean, people ask me all the time, like, hey, look at, especially people that knew me when I was younger, right? They're like, what happened? How did, how did it happen? How did you get from there to here? And I'm like, um, Jesus happened. And, and I, 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 wanted to, uh, I wanted to think through it a little bit. Um, every time, every growth spurt that Jen and I had uh, was, uh, uh, was before that, right before that, we had at a time of obedience and mostly sacrificing in the area of generosity. And maybe it didn't happen right away, but it, uh, after that, we had a breakthrough or something happened supernaturally. And I wanted to, so we had just sacrificed in our giving. And so um, I had uh, I'd never done a job uh, the size of a job that I was getting an opportunity to do. Um, and I'm just gonna give you the numbers. My team always says, don't tell numbers, but uh, I had ne- uh, the largest job I had ever done was $300,000 at the time. This was my uh, first opportunity to do a job that was $1 million. And so uh, it was in uh, 1999 or 2000. And so um, the company called me and said, hey, you did really good on the $300,000 job. We'd like to have you bid this bigger job. And my first thought was, that's too big for me. That's too big for me. I can't do that. And, you know, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go out and bid the job. And, and uh, if the person playing the, oh, they're he's so good. So, so good. Look at how that worked. Oh, my gosh, that was crazy. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, it'll be good practice. You know, I'll just maybe be able to see where I land on it. You know, and it'll be good practice for me. And so... Uh, uh, the owner called me on, on the phone. It was actually the construction manager. He said, hey, will you uh, drive out to meet me? Uh, is in Newport Beach. And 
you know, this is like 23 or 24 years ago. And, you know, at that time I could leave my house at 5.30. We lived in Thousand Oaks and I could, I'd be in Newport Beach at 6.45. Uh, now if I want to be at Newport Beach Monday at 6.45, I have to leave Sunday night, you know. <laughs> And so um, he called me and I, I drove out there to meet him. And he said, uh, hey, Mike, um, uh, we'd, like to, uh, we'd like to give you the job. And, uh, but one thing is that you left out part of the job. And it was this uh, like this sheet metal detail. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I didn't bid the sheet metal because I don't know how to do sheet metal. I don't do it. I've never done it before. And he goes, uh, well, um, you know, the, um, the owners want one contractor to do all of it, so you'll have to do the sheet metal. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I don't know how to do that. And he said, um, here, I got a bid for the sheet metal, and I know the guy, and he does it really well, and it was like 73,000 of, uh, of the job. We'll give, you not, we'll give you the 73, plus we'll give you like 11% on top, and we'll give you 82,000. You just gotta manage this guy. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know how to do it. How will I be able to tell if it's done right? He's like, I don't know what to tell you, but if you don't do the sheet metal, you don't get the job. I'm like, can I think about it? He said, yeah, you have 10 minutes. <laughs> and we'll give the job to somebody else. I remember my heart beating out of my chest. And I went out, it was 880 Irvine Boulevard in Newport Beach, probably the busiest street that you can imagine. Cars are going by. Whoosh, three lanes of cars and so loud you couldn't even ever hear yourself think. And I literally cried out to God, God, what should I do? God, I don't know how to do this. This is complicated. I've heard of people going out of business when they do stuff that they don't know what they should do. What should I do? And it was one of the times that I heard the Lord say, I am all you need. Sign the contract. I went back in there, shaking, my hand shaking, and I signed the contract. I was so nervous. I called my friend, uh, um, the one that we all prayed for, <laughs> that got healed. And he, uh, it was like the year before he started to come to work with me. And part of the reason he came to work with me is he felt sorry for me. Like, he's like, man, this, I don't know how you get these jobs and do them when you have such little skill. I called him up and I said, hey, uh, I'm gonna send you this detail, this sheet metal detail, and maybe you could just explain to me how it goes together so I understand it. And I sent it over to him and he's like, Mike, this is the most simple detail I've ever seen. Would you like me to get another bid for you? I have another couple of contractors that do it. And I said, well, they told me they had a contractor that was supposed to do it. And he's like, read your contract, you know? And I read the contract and it didn't have the right person in there for it. It didn't have where I had to have that one guy do it. So he got me another bid and it was like $9,000 cheaper. I was like, I danced around my little office going, I just made $9,000. <laughs> the other contractor called me and said, when do I start? I said, I got a lower bid. He said, I want the job. Let me give you, let me take another shot at it. He sent his bid over through a fax machine. I know you guys don't remember fax machines. <laughs> And it was for $48,000. 
I made $33,000. And I'm not telling you this, church, to tell you that I made $33,000. I'm telling you because I tried to give it back. How many things does God want to give us as a church, as a people, that we say, no, God, take it back? We got to take, in this season, like no other season, church, we have to take courage. We have to take courage because the supernatural blessings of God and the promised land is right there for us to take it. And we just have to take courage, church. If you're in the marketplace, and I I don't just mean that if you're in our groups or you go to our gatherings, if you have a job, I want you to stand up. I've been praying for you guys for the last few weeks and and I regularly pray for you, but I I feel like I have a word for you guys right now. If you'd stand up, please. You have a job, you're in the marketplace and I can't see you, so thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you and praise you for the people of the, the marketplace of the city church. Lord, I declare a blessing over their lives in Jesus' name. I thank you for the most courage that they've ever had for this season in Jesus' name. God, I thank you they hear your voice clearly. They clearly hear the voice of the good shepherd. God, I, I thank you, God. And, um, and there's an anointing on your, uh, the, the anointing oil of prosperous living and prosperous thinking is so, there's a, a oil, a dripping oil on your hands. And as you touch people in this season, there will be an impartation of that anointing onto others. Thank you, God. God, I thank you, God, that um, they have wisdom for this season. God, I thank you they solve problems that nobody else can solve. God, I I just declare over them supernatural networking and divine appointments in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you this next season would be a season of the supernatural for our church here at City Church, California, and it would spread in Jesus' name. Amen. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.